Don't ask Alice. Don't ask Alice. That's not what we're talking about today. No. We are talking about Thor. Thor! Love and thunder. Is that how lightning sounds if it's in my apartment? Alright, no, not really. Alright, welcome back everyone to the Wages of Cinema, where we're here to expound and dissect and do all sorts of things with lightning and thunderbolts and gods and love. I can't talk. I'm sorry, I'm a little tired. Uh, I'm I'm Jack, and as always with me... Trash Panda Corey. And guests today, we have some people... People are good. Andrew is here. Hey. <laughs> sorry, I should. Hey, everybody. <laughs> it's Andrew. Thank you for that stellar introduction. <laughs> Everyone knows it's Andrew. And also, Matt. Ahoy. Ahoy. Our special, uh, like, how do you pronounce it again? Is it Mjolnir? Mjolnir. 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 Was, did a cat come up with that word? <laughs> Maybe. It, it sounds like that Mjolnir. was a joke in the original Thor movie. Was it? Yeah. I t- Mew Mew. Yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot about that because I it's been so long since I saw first Thor. And maybe I should have seen that before watching this movie for a particular reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so generally, so we saw Thor Love and Thunder, the, the fourth Thor movie. Four Thor. And too bad they couldn't put the number four in there. Thor Thor. Four Thor. No. It's Thor, not, Thor. Because the problem is, though, that my dad would just keep making like jokes like Thor Thor. <laughs> enough about your dad, Jack. All right, Let's enough about my dad. Let's get to the movie. Um, I, I, in my general impression, I think it's okay. Yeah, it's pretty okay. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh, I would say it had its moments, but I do not like this movie. I do not recommend it. The dramatic parts of the movie depend on characters and relationships I don't care about, so they don't really work. And the humor isn't that funny. So hmm. I don't really like well, this movie, and I don't recommend it. Matt. I liked it, and I would recommend it, but with the caveat that it's not as good as Thor Ragnarok. No, yeah. no and I think that's a that's that's a little problem for me with it too. And I and I if it was someone else who had directed Thor Ragnarok and someone else who had made this, maybe it'd be different. But Taika Waititi is, you know, he directed Ragnarok, he directed this. And I decided to rewatch Ragnarok uh, pretty recently. And that movie holds up so well. And it, it's one of those films that I think ha- finds that tricky balance of, you know, Real, really strong comedy that's all about like characters reacting to things and mismatched like uh, you know opposites, but the, the but there's serious stuff in Ragnarok that works too. And something about this, I think they wanted to try to get that same kind of you know balance, and I don't think they hit it as well. And, like they tried, and there are moments where it is funny and. You know, and, and the acting is all good, but it's I just didn't connect with it in a, in a certain way. Also, it doesn't feel like a follow-up to Ragnarok at all. It feels like a follow-up to Thor 1 and Thor 2, movies that I only saw the one time that I saw them in the theater. So I also feel like I barely even remember those movies. It's less of a follow-up to Ragnarok than I expected. Like, it's trying to recreate it tonally, but, like, plot-wise... 
it plays more like a direct sequel to Thor 1 and 2. Which yeah. I kind of have a problem with because I liked those movies, or at least the first one I liked. I li- and I even think Thor Dark World is... It's, it's, uh, it's okay. Not, it's not okay, best, too. But it's not the but, worst. But the fact, like... And I think when I say that this is okay, it's okay in a slightly different way of Thor Dark World, where that was a little bit more of just kind of straight down the middle, kind of just mediocre. This has a lot of ambition to it, and it has a lot of visual grandeur, but... It's also, again, yeah, as we were, as I think you were just saying, Corey, it's asking us to kind of care about a character uh, who we haven't seen in a long time. And when we did, you know, she was just okay. I think really what this comes down to is, I want to say this in a little more elegant way, but it's like, I think the story is good, but really how it unfolds the whole plot it seems very loose yeah like the thing about Thor Ragnarok that I think makes it really good is that every you're sort of in every moment mm-hmm. where it's just like you understand why everybody's there at a certain place at a certain time what they're doing uh, you know what their goal is like what what the next step is like everything's very clear cut and dry You'll you'll get there's a meandering path to get through that movie, but it's all very tight. Yeah, no. Uh, this one is much looser. It leans a lot on humor, which is oftentimes rather blatant. Sometimes a bit blatant and re- repetitive. I, I I I whispered this word to Corey after the movie ended, and I feel bad saying it, but it's almost a little tiresome. Like, well, depends on how much you like screaming goats, <laughs> which. The first time that happened, like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't at all spoiled at all about, like, I knew goats were in the movie and they were briefly in the trailer, but, like, wasn't, I don't know, Corey, do you know, if it, wasn't there, like, a meme years ago with, like, a screaming goat? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, isn't this just that meme? Yes. But, like, over and over again? Yes. And that's just, it's a little cheap. I don't know. Every time a goat screams, I'm a, I always chuckle though. I was... <laughs> I was when, when, when that boat... Cr- like, this is not a spoiler. This is like an incident that happens later in the movie. When that boat crashes into the planet, and it's, it's that wide mm-hmm. shot of the planet, and all of a sudden you hear... <laughs> to me, that was like, okay, yeah, well done. Yeah, that justifies it. <laughs> so I think sometimes, I, I must say, sometimes blatant jokes really work for me. The, Although I understand... They did that over and over. It, and over. it worked the first few times, but it's just they. It became almost like a tick. I don't know. Well, that, that's a much better tick. <laughs> but, but Man, imagine if the tick had been in Lord, Thor Love Thunder. It would have made no sense. But I would have been like, okay, the tick is here. Yeah. But that, but you know, saying that it seems like a sequel to. Thor 2, that's actually not too bad. Those, Thor and Thor 2 leaned a lot on their humor. Because a lot of the plots were kind of lackluster. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember, I think you and I saw Thor 2 together. We did. And we went out to dinner and it was just like, wow. It, it was kind of, I don't think anybody would really tolerate these films very much if they weren't just funny. If they well, just weren't funny. Well, I think, but here's the difference though. That, I think Ragnarok was in a way, a little bit of a breakthrough for me because yes. I didn't... I think Thor, up until then, was 
more like of a straight character and like when you had like for example in the first Thor movie humor came from people kind of looking at Thor like oh what is this guy he's like a god yeah yeah, like fish, out water. yeah fish out of water it came, it came humor. from just odd things Thor that, that Thor would do or comments people made yeah about. and then in Thor Ragnarok they kind of they kind of re- retooled they, Thor's character and made him much more. They, they realized more loose. Yeah, they realized that he could actually like Chris Hemsworth can play comedy really well, and he played it up, but it wasn't like jarring because it still fit into the the plot of that movie with Hela and everything that she was that after. Was, it had a much. It's, it still had a great plot. Yeah, that's that, the real break. That's the second half of the breakthrough with Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. It's got a great plot. That moves along at a pretty steady pace, and also you've got the acting and comedy ability of Chris Hemsworth. And this still has the acting and comedy ability of Chris Hemsworth, which they lean on a great they, deal. They lean on it a little, like to me, it almost is a little too much. They lay it on a bit thick. It it, it almost becomes a bit like a sitcom. I think that's why I suddenly started to get watching this movie, like people who've kind of had these complaints about certain Marvel movies, where it's like. Oh God! You're just like trying to make like you know laugh track almost, and like I and I was laughing some of the, I was laughing some of the time for sure, but like I just found at a certain point I was like okay let's let's move on with it. Uh, and now I I want to say too much because there are spoilers. Now there are highlights of this that I think are better than anything in Thor: The Dark World, but I also Pretty think low bar. No, yeah, no, but no, but I, I still could tell that the guy who made Ragnarok made this. Yeah. So that's a difference where you know, Dark World, like, I'm not gonna be like, oh, the oeuvre of Alan Taylor. Let's sit and, no, that's fine. But like, but then on the other hand, without saying too much about his character yet, or, or maybe we could, because I mean, Christian Bale. Yeah. He kind of also made me think back to Christopher Eccleston a little bit. Yeah, I know, which is all, which is not a great thing because he's like one of the more well. I want to say like forgettable villains. I don't know if Christian Bale's forgettable. He's certainly hamming it up, which is a weird thing to see from Christian Bale. But welcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you I, think, Corey? Here's well, the thing: I enjoyed Bale's performance, but I think the character, his motivations, his plans. Basic. Basic, basic, basic. Yeah, very basic. Yeah. So and I wasn't into that. So I was in, I kind of dug the vibe of the performance, but I just feel like the movie gave him nothing. Yeah. He's no Hella. No, we're, and you know, Hella, she had like, you know, we're, it's the first time meeting her, and yet there's like a lot of complexity to her, and like everything that she has in Asgard. In this, you know, Christian Bale, it's just, you know, Daughter died. <laughs> I mean, that's not really a spoiler. That's like the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah, and plus, we knew from the promotional materials, he's called Gore the God Butcher. So you kind of know what he's up to. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I don't know how much we can talk about the story without even getting into spoilers. Because it feels like... The, like I actually think the trailers did a pretty good job of hiding, like... A big thing about why you're seeing, you know, Dr. Jane Foster, Forster, that was a running joke in that, that's actually kind of amusing, uh, <laughs> Dr. Jane Fonda. Uh, but, no, why she even is, you know, we're seeing her dressed up as Thor. 
Unless so. he read the comics. Yeah. Ah. So is that a big? So that was similar to the comics. Yeah. Or same yeah. storyline. Okay. Rough. Um. So I don't know if we should actually just go right into spoilers. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, I mean, uh, why not? Uh, uh, well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> no one listens though. to this podcast. <laughs> Love. Oh, we don't say that. Family. Hi, listeners. Andrew does not speak for the wage of cinema. All right, so we are fully in the spoiler zone, right? All right, good. All right. We are totally in the spoiler zone. All right, we can get in the spoiler Okay. Okay. Thor, love and spoilers. <laughs> all right. So, so, all right, so in the comics, Jane Foster gets... Forster. Is it Foster or Foster? Foster. Foster. Australian for beer. Um, so she has cancer. Yep. All right. And so she basically turns to... The Thor, you know, magic in order to, like, think, you know, in search of a cure. Yeah, basically. All right. So, here's my thought. That's, again, I think th- that whole sequence where we see Jane Foster, and we see her at the beginning of the movie, and we see her go to New Asgard, and we see the fragments of Thor's hammer. That is one of the scenes, that's one of the sequences in the film that really, I think, illustrates the sort of problem with the story in general. Mm-hmm. Not that it's a bad story, but that it's presented in a very unsophisticated way. Yeah. Before that, let's go like back to the very beginning with Gore, where you talk about his origin. Yes, well... Gore is a priest, probably, I assume. Something like a priest. His daughter dies. He's the only person left who worships his god. He finds his god. His god's like, I don't care that everybody's dead or anything. I have nothing to give you. Oh, by the way, there's a god-killing sword there at your feet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I'm glad I killed that guy who had the god-killing sword. Don't touch it. (laughs) And I was wondering, though, like, why does... So the sword chose him. Is that what we're led to believe in that moment? Well, yeah. yeah. I, he's oh. the only one who's going to kill the god there. Yeah. I guess. But but again, very convenient plot device at your feet. He uh-huh. kills the god out of revenge and he swears that he will kill all gods because they are responsible for misery and for the death of his daughter specifically. All of that is very, very, again, unsophisticatedly presented. That's, yeah. It's it's almost in a way clumsy. It's like like they lay it all out right then and there at the beginning. And it's just like, that, it it seems, it's just, again, there's no cleverness to it. Yeah. Then you have the scene with Jane Foster. It's like, we see her and she's like, oh, she's getting a CAT scan. Oh, now she's getting chemo. Now she's explaining, oh, I haven't seen Thor in years. And then then she's, uh, you know, and her, and her, friend, and her friend is telling her, oh, you got to slow down, you got to relax. And then she reads a book about Viking mythology, and then she goes to New Asgard, and then she touches the fa- fragments and something well, happens. Well, and like, it's all just like, again, it's being just presented. Da, yeah, da, well, da, almost, da, da, da. well, the way you're almost describing it, that's the thing. It's the kind of storytelling of, and then. Yes. And then. And then. Wasn't that kind of what we had a problem with in Moon Knight, too? Um, well, in Maybe Moon, a little differently. In Moon Knight... I found it, Moonlight, I found both kind of like dumb and convoluted simultaneously. That's quite possible. <laughs> Trust but, me, there are plenty of dumb, convoluted movies But my out there. problem yes. with the plot in Thor, Love, and Thunder is, I remember when we reviewed Black Widow, I like Black Widow, 
I, I'm, like, mildly positive about it, but I said, like, this is the laziest plot, like, in the entire MCU. Sure. We have a new winner. <laughs> Thor, Love, and Thunder well, is the single laziest plot. Yeah, and I feel like, I forget which one, but there, I feel like we've seen already another movie that had, like, my child died, I will, like, get payback against so, all of you. I just, uh, there is with, Baron Zemo. Uh, yeah. yeah okay. And there, that's actually, like... Yeah, the much then, better version of that. But then there's never a moment in Civil War where that happens, where you see Baron Zemo not evil, where you see his family die, where you say, where he says, "I will get my revenge on the Avengers." No, there's never that. <laughs> that is slowly revealed throughout the movie of Civil War. Yeah, and then you know, going back to that whole Jane Foster sequence, it's like, okay, she goes right up to those fragments, which still exist, the fragments of Thor's hammer. Fine. And then she, something happens to the fragments when she gets near it. Okay, and then she shows up in the big battle scene in the first act. Yeah. And when we see her, it's, I, it's, it's not a surprise at all because it's just like, oh, she. Last time we saw her, something weird was happening with Thor's hammer. Yeah. It is, and I know we we know that Jane Foster is going to be Thor because of all the trailers, but it's also just like, imagine you had never seen any of that. It would not be at all a surprise. To see Jane no. Foster with well, that hammer and, when that battle scene happens. And so, the, you know what? Then the, the way that you could actually make it a little better... I mean, I don't know if... Again, there would be a lot of things with just our associations of the character. But the first time we see her in the movie is when she suited up as Thor. Yes. yes. Yeah, that way, that's like, as you were saying with Baron Zemo. When we first see him, he's already enacting his, like, plot... Yes. See, now, I would go the other way because it, it cuts right before you do the big transformation scene. I actually want to see the transformation of Jane Foster into the mighty Thor because that's like a big, dramatic, crazy moment. No, that, that, but that, that would have been fine too. It's like you could just displace the narrative. Just be like, oh, this is what happened. And then you see the flashback where she grabs the hammer and everything comes together and she gets the outfit. That would have been great to see. But again, it's just like you didn't even have to put it, you know, it doesn't even have to be in that place where it would have been. It's like you, so much of this can be backfilled through conversations with people. Yeah, where it's like you know, clear, you know, Natalie Portman's one of the great actresses we have these yeah. days. Chris Hemsworth is clearly able. Where it's like you can have dialogue between these people, having them talk about these things, you know, at a later date when they're important. You can hold yeah. back on that knowledge that Jane Foster has cancer. In fact, well, well, also. If, if like we maybe if we even find out that she has cancer when he does, yes, then it has a little bit more umph because yeah we know and then when she actually says it to Thor, it's like there's no reaction I, because I, we know it, but also it's just like well this is another thing with that scene. It's just like well, also what does this have to do with anything at this moment? It's yeah. it's a it's a. So, so much of this could have been improved by reshuffling and rearranging a lot of stuff that people, the audience is supposed to know. And it's all just, none of that is taken into account. It's all just, it's all there. It's all laid out where it should it's, be. It's, it's like a it's, railroad. It's holding your hand. Yeah. But there's no cleverness to it. And also, I had several moments when I was watching this movie and I was like, but why? Like, the actual logistics of like, um, Jane's relationship to the hammer. Like, but why? Yeah. Yeah. Why, first of all, why does the hammer, like, 
consent to be in a relationship with her. Like, you know, it's a, it's a non-consensual relationship. It's a reciprocal relationship between the Hammer and Jane. And also, later in the movie, we learn that the Hammer is actually, like, sucking out Jane's, like, life essence. Okay. But why? But why? Yes. Because the Hammer didn't do that to Thor. And it seemed like the Hammer made her stronger in the short term. Because when we meet Jane... She's already terminally ill. I mean... You, you might say she's Jane the Virgin. No. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? If she's a virgin to the hammer. No. Not necessarily. All right. Sorry, it's late. I've gotten no sleep. But uh, that's, a, that's a dud. Okay, we'll forgive We'll you. keep right. it in the podcast. I feel like the movie is completely coasting when it comes to Jane. And maybe... If you're someone who is strongly invested in her from Thor 1 and Thor 2, like me. that would be okay with you. Yes. But as someone who, I like the first Thor movie. I thought the second Thor movie was like, meh. I haven't seen either of them besides the one time in the theater. I'm not strongly invested in Jane no. Foster as a character individually. And frankly, I don't care about her relationship with Thor. This movie doesn't do the work of making Jane interesting or making her relationship with Thor interesting. It doesn't do the work in this that, movie. That's, that's a great phrase to put it. It's yeah. just coasting. And yeah. if you all if you come to the movie like predisposed to be very invested in Jane and Jane and Thor, like maybe the movie will work for you. But if you're someone that comes into the movie without an investment in her or her relationship with Thor, this movie does not do the work. It shortchanges yeah. you on a lot of stuff that should be very important. And Matt? I would we, say that actually it does more work for the Jane Thor relationship than the first two movies, which is a major problem I have with the first two Thor movies because I actually wanted to see a Jane Thor relationship develop and then they just kind of whiffled on that and then the movie without actually showing them together as a couple when they would have like a very cool Superman, Lois Lane, moral human, you know, moral god romance dynamic going on, which would be great, but they didn't do that. And in this, they actually do like a couple flashbacks, but at this point it's like too little too late. But yeah. at least they're trying to do something to have a connection there. But it's just like, as you say, if you didn't care about the relationship because the first two movies didn't lay the groundwork well enough, yeah. then it's kind of a waste. Yeah, yeah well that's the, the whole thing. The whole thing with through, through Thor one and two is that the whoever wrote the films didn't have really didn't figure out what they were doing with Jane Foster. Yeah, she's supposed to be a love interest, but there's never really it never seems like there's like a personal connection. You never understand like that. Never seems like a deep relationship. Yeah. No, and you know. I and I'm not a big fan of the character of Jane Foster, but I was like, oh, she's going to be Thor. This should be kind of fun, and you know, to see her actually be Thor is kind of fun. But again, it's just like it lacks impact it's, because you're not sure why. You're not like we don't. Again, the groundwork has not been laid. Well, yeah, it, and it's, so it's hard to get invested. They try again. You know, as you said, they try to backfill the plot. And make it work, but it's like it's a lot of heavy lifting you have to do right away. Well, it provides some humorous shots. Yeah, it's a shallow. Idea. That's why I said it's sitcom. It felt a little bit shallow. Although, yeah, Matt, you saying though about those flashbacks, like maybe if that had been more of the movie, at least then we would have had more of that dynamic. But we're told that in like a little cute, like three or four minute. 
thing that you know I found it kind of amusing because I like the actors and in, in that moment, but that's not that's not enough. Yeah. So they're trying to backfill a lot, and they're trying to really get you know the sort of Jane Foster Thor in there, but it just. I mean, the actors sell it as best they can. I, yeah. I'll give it that they that they do a lot to try. I, yeah, you but, can't lay any of this at the feet but, of Chris Hemsworth or Natalie Portman. But but it's to just, go back again, though, it's like I think what helped more in Ragnarok was because they did the work with Loki. Yeah, like he's like uh, also like you already have him. That's an that's an example of you know the the movies actually like. You know they they have such a strong character like him, and I'm not saying, of course, Jane Foster is going to be different than you know Loki, but because they did the work with him, by the time you get to Ragnarok, they don't have to like backfill anything. He's just Loki. Well, that's, yeah, Loki is, is is such a strong character that you and you don't need him. He's the breakout character of the first Thor at first Thor, and then they continue him throughout multiple movies because they care about him as a character. Whereas that was back in the day. When the women folk were kind of more dispensable, as they yeah. had the Perlmutter running things. Did they have? This is a side note. Did did Jane, Jane Foster didn't come back in that like hero shot in Endgame? No. <laughs> well, it, Probably not. No, she did not. I I'm assuming that when they kind of wrote Jane Foster out with that line in Thor Ragnarok, where Chris Hemsworth was like, "Oh, she dumped me," or it was a mutual dumping. They were operating under the assumption that Natalie Portman would never come back. And yeah. So we're talking about backfilling. It's all it's obvious to me, and I think I read like a headline that Natalie Portman was like pretty disgruntled with her experience with Thor the Dark World. And so when they wrote Ragnarok, they were operating in an environment where like, we're never gonna see this character and this actress again. So that's another thing I think drives that like backfilling problem we're talking about. You had a character that they were kind of half-assed about because Matt, you are correct. I I don't know as much as you know about it, but I did read a little bit about Ike Perlmutter and yeah, he had a very strict like no ladies policy. Oh, <laughs> God, that sucks. Um, well, what? Well, basically, the guy, um, and Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're more knowledgeable about this, the guy kind of, like, running the show before Kevin Feige was this guy, like, Ike Perlmutter, and he was strongly convinced that superhero movies could never work if they placed a lot of emphasis on female characters, that basically superhero movies had to have, like, white male protagonists all the time, and those were the only types of protagonists you could build movies around and that because I remember like he was like well Electra bombed and Catwoman bombed am I in the ballpark you're in the Matt? ballpark yeah okay um, well fuck him <laughs> well I want to talk about something else in the movie though that something I actually think would have been a really cool idea if they had expanded on more and I understand why it's just kind of like a plot point but maybe that's why it's also his point the idea of like gods yeah. In general, like you know, you have you know a big set piece in this movie. I don't even know if you call it. It's like a major part of the movie. Is that in order to try to stop uh, you know the God Butcher, they you know Thor and uh, Jane and other and 
you know, all the other characters. Valkyrie. Yeah. Valkyrie. And Korg. Korg, thank you. They all the best character. Cor- yes. <laughs> he is a, he's great. Type boy. TT is good. So they go to what is the place where all the gods are again? Omnipotent City. Um, omnipotent. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just a great name, Omnipotent City. So they go there to try to get the help of the other gods, including Zeus. Played, and he's played by Russell Crowe, who is, for me, the best part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad the trailer didn't give away his accent, which sounded to me uh, more like... He was, was he French? He sounded to me like he wanted a spicy meatball. <laughs> no, he sounded French. No, he went Mediterranean, which is great because usually, like, you know, for Roman and Greek people, they always go, like, roll Shakespeare in English, but this is feels more authentic. Yeah. Yeah. For it. <laughs> yeah, he's playing it big, but but my point though is that like that's like I really like that idea. Just like how do these gods react to this like threat of like it here? Brings they, to mind a whole lot of weird questions about like <laughs> it does. It's where, fascinating. It, it brings up questions like where do gods come from and why are they all in this city? And is ever are all the gods there? And and are, are which they, gods are there? Is Jehovah there? Is, you know, and yeah, is Yahweh there? Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> is the. I mean, these are all the questions that are going through my mind. I was, I also kind of just enjoyed that sequence because I just wanted to see who was in the background. Yeah, where yeah. Like, you know, there's it, there's a Hawaiian goddess in there. There are a whole bunch of like, Bacchus or Dionysus was there. Uh, Athena was there. You know, this, you know, that that just that kept me entertained for quite a while. But it's also just like. You like, sorry. You, like, like you want to say something. Uh, Bast was there, and she might be showing up in Wakanda Forever. Who is okay. that? The Egyptian cat goddess, who was also worshipped by the Wakandans for some reason. Okay. Hmm. I didn't even notice okay. her. In she's, she's there were a like... lot of deities there. Yeah, and, and some of the them were... And also the god of dumplings. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the god of dumplings. So cute. That was, was but that I... a crossover from the Pixar short? I mean, because wasn't that Bao? Yeah, that was all yeah. Bao. My favorite Pixar short. Yeah, it brings up a whole bunch of very interesting questions, which I know will never be yeah. properly exploited. And but w- you know, it's just that was like a fun, a fun moment. It was a nice, as you said, set piece. But you know, they kind of go there, they do a thing, they get a thing, they leave there. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, it's not, but it's not like. That's like such a rich world that you could integrate into it's, what it's we're seeing. It's interesting ideas. All we see of that world is one spot where they land and the big chamber. And it doesn't feel like a world. It just is populated with a whole bunch of weird, interesting But it's things. still much better executed than a similar meaning of the gods in Moon Knight, which is really boring and terrible. Well, this I is actually vibrant and big. Fair point. Yes. No, but, I, I would totally agree with that. Again, it... That's, in a way, I feel like that's also a bit like this movie's version of having, you know, Jeff Goldblum in yeah. uh, Thor Ragnarok as well. It's like... And yeah, Russell Crowe is a reason to see this movie. Uh, which is, a, well, not counting the... Um, why am I blanking on the name of it now? Um, the, 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 the Road Rage movie. I don't know. <laughs> Unhinged. Unhinged. Damn it. Uh yeah, uh, not counting unhinged, it's hard for me to think of the last time I said, damn, Russell Crowe's the reason to see this movie. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he's enjoying a career renaissance. Yeah. Because I unhinged will, is great. I will say, though, whoever started this script started with the right idea. Yeah. Because 
the themes of this film are basically love and death. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, everybody is going to die. Eventually, cosmically speaking. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the whole thing with Gore. His daughter dies for him seemingly for nothing. And, uh, you know, Jane Foster is going to die. Yeah, and for, uh, and for what reason? She she feels that she might be able to escape that if she is able to use Mjolnir to get the power of Thor, which she sh- does for a short while, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work out. And so you have that theme, and then, you know, according to this film, the way you kind of make meaning out of life, even though there's death, is love. But on the opposite side of that, you have gods, and the whole point of gods is that they don't die. Yeah. And except, so, except, <laughs> except in the entirety of fiction in the modern era, it's all about gods dying. Yeah, so but like, like within the, but within the whole, within the whole, within this film, the big threat is a is a god killing being who has a sword that can kill deathless gods, mm. and, and apparently this doesn't bother the gods very much for some reason, and. That that's solid bedrock, but that's again the whole point where it's just like the gods can't die; they don't care about anything. They don't yeah. care about you, and that's a huge. That's that's something very deep you can play with. Well, that's, they that's try what I'm saying, and it's just like they don't develop that enough. No, no. You know, the whole point is like you know, Gore is right. The gods don't care about anybody. Thor is the only person who seems to care uh, about anyone. You know, he cares about Jane. He cares about his people. You know, he wants to kid, he wants to save these Asgardian children who so Gore is kidnapped. He he likes to to save earth people. Yeah. He's he's there to help. But, you know, he's one of hundreds if not thousands of other deities who apparently have nothing better to do but to hang out in their city of and gods their and, and have their yearly orgy. Were <laughs> <laughs> any Surprised by the sheer number of gods? No, the human no. No. no, no, no. There's a whole city of them. This is like the good <laughs> version of like when they show the Senate chamber in Star Wars, yeah. and you don't really get to see like anybody in that Senate chamber except for like a little ET cameo. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree with you though that I feel like the god, like how the gods react to this, would have been a much more interesting concept than just yeah the fact that they're all in line being like oh <laughs> but that's yeah. the but then that's the flaw of the script those characters those gods are walled into that city by the script none of them ever leave none of them are concerned none of them want to be yeah what if one story. Of, what if one or two of the gods actually joined thor yeah Does i'm sure uh i don't know who, who do you think would have joined up uh mm. yeah <laughs> I, I, it's hard to tell. I mean, maybe, uh, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe like the god of like peanuts or something. Maybe. There could have been a god of peanuts in there. That would have been awesome. (laughs) But here's the other weird thing about this film. This is, this happens at the climax where Thor more or less deputizes the children with his power. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the, the, the children. Like, that's a big, that's a story point in the movie the where like in general are very the way they handle them is very odd there's one good scene with the children where christian bale is talking to them yeah uh, which you know he, he hands it up a little he does his villain thing uh it's a bit you know blatant but you know okay fine 
it was it was good. But then it's like there are the scenes where Thor just goes to talk he, to them via Heimdall powers. Yeah, yeah, like he yeah he transports himself via the Heimdall power to talk to them, and one of them is actually Heimdall's son, which I guess that was also just. All right, fine. Heimdall is a son. And they had this incredibly stupid bit where they were like, his name was Astrid, but he wanted to change it to Axel, and they have like Astrid. At who cares? Shut up. Was that yeah. like? Was that maybe like a trans joke? No. All right. I don't think so. Uh, it could have been. Could it could have been. <laughs> but although, it, if it was a joke, it wasn't very funny. No, it kind of felt. But that's like the kids. This movie, I think. Why they were there, I was trying to think about it just in general with Taika Waititi. That's something that was disappointing for me in the movie because I think he's actually generally a really good director of kids. Like, and not just in these Thor, not kind of Thor movies. I mean, like, Hunt for the Wilder People is is awesome. That has a great child protagonist who was also in Deadpool 2. Jojo Rabbit, for all the problems of that movie, the child actors are excellent in that. But this, the children just kind of seem like a throwaway like plot device. Uh, I think that goes together with the, they're not having the stakes be frightening enough for the film because yeah. like all the gods that Gobbiter kills basically happen off screens. So yeah. There's no actual looming threat of him going through and murdering people that we might be attached to. Yeah, like none of the, there are two. Maybe if there had been fewer children, like maybe just have or, like a handful that we actually could care about. Or not I have the, so. the, the Heimdall vision powers so that there's like more of a sense of danger that like, they, they could be... They had to have the Heimdall vision powers so that Thor could figure out where they would go. Yeah. But, but, but like those scenes then, they have like again, rather ham ham-fisted attempts at humor Things that don't make Thor look like he's taking the situation seriously. And I think that's what I meant earlier about how that, like, the comedy just kind of just... It feels like they're trying, like, so hard in those scenes to be funny. And, like, you know, you could take a moment and not be funny. Right. Like, you can just play it straight. And that's, you know, be... You can be sincere in that moment. And, you know, I I just... It's like, all right, you're, you're... Keep moving it along. Come on. That is such a good point, Matt, about how this movie feels like it lacks stakes because we don't care about any of the gods that are being murdered off screen. Um, and in fact, the only gods that we actually see bite it totally deserve it. And that's something the movie could have used to its advantage in a kind of like Killmonger was right kind of way. Like, I appreciate how the MCU's turn towards like more sympathetic villains but it didn't make gore the god butcher interesting because it's not like gore the god butcher had like a complex philosophy he was just like i kill gods but you i didn't think of it that way but you're really right matt that like there's a real like lack of stakes issue going on here plot wise in addition to the fact that the movie's incredibly lazy in how it's plotted. I mean, it's basically a rerun of Hela killing Asgardians in Ragnarok. Mm. But we actually know the Asgardians, so it's more 
like a, a scary thing when she just runs them all through. Yeah. But again, like her goal isn't to kill Asgard. It's just to become queen, basically. It, but even then, even in that story, you had like uh, she it's not. You don't really need a special sword to kill gods necessarily. No. Yeah. And also, even if you don't care about the Asgardians, if you care about Thor, you kind of care about them indirectly through him, mm-hmm. even because. I'm not like deeply attached to every Asgardian who bit it in Ragnarok, but you care a lot about Thor and you care a lot about like Asgard as a concept, whereas these gods, they're totally like nameless, faceless, um, stakeless. Corey does not care about Volstag the Voluminous. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, now going through the plot, I begin to see why they make the choices they do because they have to get to that point. Where it's just like, why does Gore kidnap the children? Because he wants Thor to come to, to, to come to him. Yeah. Why does he want Thor to come to him? Because apparently, Storm Stormbreaker, Stormbreaker, yes, yeah, Storm, yeah. Stormbreaker is the key to get to the eternity. Uh, eternity. Why does he want to go to eternity? Because you can get a wish once you get there. And it's like, well, why does he want to make a wish to kill all the gods? It's like, well, but he's, he's already, already killing, killing the gods. gods. Why yeah, does, like does he wants to make it more efficient. I don't know. Um, but so I guess it could make his job easier. But it's also like, why can Eternity grant a wish? Well, because we need that thing where he gets his daughter back. It's like everything seems to be an excuse for something else. Where it's like instead of things being very straightforward, where Gore is like is just killing, chopping down gods left and right, and Thor yeah. has to stop him. They make it much more convoluted than it should be. And so that's why you have the kidnapping. That's why you have all the scenes with the children. That's why you have Eternity as this place. Yeah. Uh, it, it can't, because if you just have Gore killing people, then Thor would just take him on and Jane would be there. And then it was like, it wouldn't be that much of a movie. It's like, it has to be more complicated. Because it uh, has to be two hours long. And, and it's like, yeah, it's like the plot Swiss cheese. They're not telling, they're not making a movie to tell the story. They're telling a story to make the movie. Yeah. Yes. And another thing, too, this movie totally whiffs the whole villain has a change of heart because he, because he's moved by an emotional appeal from the hero. It's not just that, though. Because there are other reasons. Like, Gore is being controlled more or less by the sword. The sword is a... Has something in it. It's It's like the Darkhold. Yes, it's like the Darkhold. It has a sentience. It moves him to do things. He has his own internal anger, but this magic sword that can kill gods also has its own being. That gets destroyed. It's no longer in his brain. Also... It, Thor makes a very interesting point. Like, he also says that love is the thing that makes life worth living even if you're going to die. But he also says if you want to make a wish, you don't have to wish for, you don't have to wish for the gods to be dead. You can wish for your daughter back, which is the thing he really wants. I, he's angry, but, like, that's the, that's the reason why he's angry. But, I don't think the movie sold it well at all. No, personally, it doesn't sell it well. No. You have to dig deep to make it make sense. I, but I think it's there. I'm kind of I'm actually kind of into that as like a plot twist. There are several movies that like I have loved that. Like Spider-Man 2, come on. Wonder Woman 2 is a bad movie. I really don't like it. Okay, but even you that and I, movie. <laughs> does a great job selling like Wonder Woman talking Max Lord out of you know his evil plans. But, the end of Buffy season six, like I actually really kind of like the whole like 
I'll just talk you out of it as a plot device because it means I don't have to sit through like mind-numbing, terrible CGI. Well, well, but this, I just didn't buy well, it at all. Well, no, but but again, movie. but it goes back to the point that we've been saying, or that you even said, Corey, that they didn't do the work. They set up like in the very beginning with that Gore, you know, loses his daughter, but then like nothing for like the whole movie, and then at the end, it's like. No, you don't want to kill the gods. You just want your daughter back. Okay, but, you know, I I haven't really given a shit about you and your, like, daughter for all this time. Yeah. So why should I care now? Yeah. It's, so. The inelegance of the story doesn't help it yeah. to make that climax work. It does, it's, logically it can work. I, I would argue that. Uh, I, I, you know, there are, there are some things in this that make sense, but it's just like, you know... What did you you gotta sell it still. Yeah. What did you think of the resolution? I thought the resolution was okay. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny. I think when the resolution, I, think, I was looking over at you because I was wondering, like, is Corey gonna get emotional during this? And I saw the what? total opposite. Yeah. Because usually, like, you, like, that's the kind of thing that would make you like start to tear up. Well, I was gonna say, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so critical of this because I'm. I'm a real sucker for that type of resolution. Also, I'm very easily emotionally manipulated. Like, I cry very easily, like, when I'm watching movies and TV shows. I'm really easy to manipulate, like, in that way. So if a movie fails, I'm I'm already halfway there before the movie even starts. So if the movie, like, if that type of resolution doesn't work for me... It's a serious failure of craft because I'm predisposed to like it. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. There, there. It's just that it's a lot of weak and lazy stuff in this movie. Yeah, that's. I think that's it. It's it's weak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a shame because to like to give a positive, like the movie looks great. Yeah, like sure. I really enjoy a lot I, of the visual effects that they created. I mean, that's I the like, thing. So many things look great these days. Yeah. It's just like, you know, we have a standard of, of visuals now, which are much beyond everything that we've seen before. And it's just like, okay, we're now showing the limits of that. You can have a yeah. great looking movie, but it's just like, if you don't have a story, then it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. You otherwise, the best special effects in the world, it won't matter if I don't care about your character. Yeah. And I think it's also that, again, but to go back to the earlier point, because we've, I think that it's, to say again about the whole thing with Thor and this feeling like a continuation of one, two, which I know you said, you know, that was cool, Matt, but like we've seen Thor in a lot of other movies since then. And I feel like what he went through in, you know, like in the, in the Avengers movies, yeah. I think brought him to a certain point that like this feels like a step backward, maybe. Yeah. And I also, I just didn't buy this movie's take on Thor as like, an emotionally closed off person who fears intimacy and yeah. I'm like uh no like that's not something now again I have not rewatched Thor 1 and 2 so it, it's possible it, it's in there you know what makes really. me wonder though like and I know that they didn't have to address this and maybe I should be glad they didn't but like did did she like go away in the blip yeah I think so okay all right, no, no. But yeah, I... The, the, the blip gave her cancer. I did not buy this movie's take on Thor's psychology at all. If anything, 
um, thinking about, like, the relationship between Thor and Loki, if anything, Thor is so, like, emotionally available and trusting. Yeah. Like, so hmm. I just, if, if he is one, I, like... I would Thor, argue that it's not the same when you're talking about your brother versus your romantic and romantic relationships. True. I, like, that is true. But so, I see what you mean. Thor is not known for being closed off to people. Yeah, it almost seems... Especially like, not with somebody he hasn't seen for 12 movies. Yeah, yeah and also... <laughs> they had to set it up. They had to make an easy setup for him in this story. I don't know why they were trying to, like, graft that onto him also. Well, they, like, they had to find a way to do it. And well, it's like, it's, you know, the whole, the whole story is... Is kind of not thrown together. We have Tony Stark. We have Doctor Strange. I don't need you to retroactively graft intimacy issues onto a character who never had them before. It's just weird. And well, also, well, also in the flashback, their conflict is like, oh, Thor's going to go off and do superhero things now. And yeah, their conflict is basically they're both workaholics. Which is very shallow because, again, they're trying to do the entire relationship in a montage, which doesn't yeah. work. Uh, um, the, the explanations take a lot of expl- explaining. And they still didn't explain why Mjolnir gave her Thor powers, and that's not the way Mjolnir works in the MCU. He just says, he told the hammer to take care of her as a promise, but there's, like, you know, in the movies, Thor doesn't change, like, from Donald Blake to Thor when he has the hammer, he just always Thor just sometimes gives him different clothes. Captain America didn't get Thor powers when he picked Right, him. right. Yeah. I mean, well, Donald Blake is not even a name in the MCU. I think right? they use it as an alias in the first movie. Oh, do they? Yeah. All right, I, was, but, I, I get that. Yeah. But, but no, but the... So there's like... I don't know, so I, like, I, no, I think we... But yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, even the, even the hammers, even that, like, becomes, is meant to be like a... You know, he's like Thor's talking to, you know, Storm, Storm, Stormbreaker, Stormbreaker, and being like, "No, I still love you. Come on, I, you know, I don't have feelings for that." You know what? what Even great... that's kind of like a bit, like it's kind of amusing, but it's kind I, of cheap. I thought it was great, and I know the way they could have made it better. Hmm. Where it's just like, <laughs> I do like also the way they photograph Storm, Stormbreaker. Where it's oh just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it that, that, creeps funny. into frame, yeah, like a person. But it's also like it should have been that Stormbreaker, it, it was Storm Stormbringer, right? Yes. Wait, no, Storm Stormbreaker. I think you're the guy. <laughs> I think, I think it's, it's Beta Ray Bill and Stormbreaker. It's okay, yeah. Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker should have this sort of consciousness where it's it clearly feels jealous and suspicious of Thor. At that moment when Gore gets it, it should be because it like came back and switched sides itself just to spite <laughs> Thor. If you're going to treat Stormbreaker like that as a character, then you could give it some motivation to kind yeah. of just like... Because yeah. uh, why would the Stormbreaker work for Gore? Wouldn't he just like, I'm not going to buy frost for you, fuck off. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm just saying. Alright, I think we're... I think we've talked our way through this. I think we've talked our way through. Oh, one last point. Uh, Maybe too few many Guns N' Roses songs. I would say there weren't enough Guns N' Roses. (laughs) Well, go for some deep cuts. or uh, Well, no, I I don't know. That's a small thing. Like, 
I wonder why, like, why, but why guns? Are, I know this is this is nitpicking, but why are like children fans of Guns and Roses? In I don't 20, know that they 22? are. Well, that one kid well, had like a Guns and Roses poster on his wall. Let, let me, That's like what I'm focused on. Let, let me ask you a question. <laughs> Would you like a world where more children listen to Guns N' Roses or where less children listen to Guns N' Roses? Uh, I, I don't know. I Well, I just... The wrong. The answer is more. No. Okay. You need to keep the levels stable. <laughs> <laughs> Something I noticed during the credits, everybody had a different... a Everyone had a different credit that was a different font and had a different background. Yeah. It seemed like a graphic designer's nightmare. <laughs> I love that. You crazy would. random color. I I had to. This was on IMAX. I had to like move my head back <laughs> and scan the screen to make sure I knew what name I was reading. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think we come can... up with twenty eighties metal fonts <laughs> for for this wow. movie. Yes, I know we have only two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So I think we can uh, kind end of... credit scenes. Oh, Hercules. Uh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's there. And then I, I guess Jane Foster is still in the MCU. She went to Valhalla because she died. Yes. In battle. Now she's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. She can come oh. back and haunt Thor like fucking Captain Stacy in that Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> warning, warning Thor, like, don't you power my daughter. Apparently, Anthony Hopkins was not available to collect a paycheck for this, <laughs> uh, but Idris <laughs> Elba shows up for a little bit. Yes. Uh, for him. It was good for to him. see him. He, uh, he came away unscathed. No Loki, though. Well, no, he's not going to Valhalla. Well, that, that's, well, he's in another whole thing altogether. He's in that underground thing where the serpent drips venom into his eyes. Uh, yeah. All right. That's it for tonight. Yeah. All right, so it sucks. Move on. No, so final thought is if if it's not one of the better MCU movies, it might even be like a total mixed bag. There 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 are things that you could that are sort of enjoyable but shallow. Yeah, that's what I would say. It's fun but shallow. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we thought. If you guys have thoughts, you can visit us at wagesofcinemagmail.com. We're also on the Facebook. We're on the Instagram. We're on the Twitter. Where can you be found, Matt? You can find me at mattthecatania.wordpress.com, where I will be making this a review collaboration on my bloggy thing. And yes, will... and with lots of links and lots of things pointing to probably like a few very interesting action figure tidbits i'm sure maybe maybe all right all right guys so until next time until next marvel or maybe something else um we'll see you again i am jack trash panda cory i'm andrew and i'm meonier matt yeah <laughs> meonier and the waves of cinema is Hugs. lightning all right good night